Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, I'm Pastor Brian. For those of you that might be free here for your first time, I want to thank Pastor Tommy and Pastor John. Uh, they began this series a couple of weeks ago. Pastor John started with part one, the road to the final four. And uh, I, I get to follow up with weeks three and four. And a little bit different for me to not start a series. I'm kind of starting in the middle. And maybe you feel that way. You're feeling like, you know, you maybe missed some of the stuff that was said before. You might feel a little bit left out. I always encourage you. You can go online at greatjoy.org. You can catch the first two parts. I encourage you to do that, and from time to time, you should refresh your, your memory, refresh your heart of things that have been shared and talked about. The Bible tells us that, that uh, you know, that it, is, it is the hearing of the Word of God that brings faith into your life. Faith doesn't come because you heard it one time. Faith comes because you continually hear it, and, and there are things that will change your life. There are things that as you are reminded of, of, of by, the, by the Spirit of God, really, that you're reminded of things that you can put that into your life and, and, and live it out. And uh, we were, as I mentioned, uh, Shelly and I have been in Mexico, and two weeks ago, uh, w- there were just some internet problems. We weren't able to uh, view the service. Uh, it wasn't on this end. It was on our end down there, just unreliable. And Pastor John would preach, and then he would freeze, and he'd be stuck like this. And then uh, sometimes you would hear his voice, and other times you wouldn't, but you'd see him doing this. You know, and it's like, I can't watch that anymore. And so uh, it just, it was just unreliable. And then last week, though, we were able to catch the whole thing. We didn't have any issues. And I want to give a shout out to our dream teamers in the, in the tech booth and, and those who, amen. Really, uh, you know, it, and, and to you as a church, because you, you provide a vehicle in a way that for people who can't be here or her, or perhaps are just visiting our church, but visiting it, visiting it online. Um, it's just, a, it looks good. It sounds good. It's, 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 it just is really, I just really am impressed with the job that everybody does back there. And I want to say thank you to them. Thank you to you for providing and making that happen. Uh, because that's, it, I think it's an important outreach for our church. It's an important outreach to keep all of us connected in the life of what's happening. And so I want to say that. And thank you, Pastor John, Pastor uh, Tommy, for you know, just launching this series, uh, as I mentioned, it's kind of hard to get started for me in the third week, and, uh, and I've got some very specific things that I want to share with you this morning, and as it relates to this series, this topic that we're talking about, the road to the final four, and if you're not a basketball fan, which we understand probably, there, there are many of you who don't pay a lot of attention to, to college sports, college basketball, like some others do, uh, for me personally, there's way too many conferences, way too many teams, there's way too much controversy about what teams are the best teams, and I don't really pay a lot of attention to college basketball, but I do like the tournament. I do like the, 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 the final 64, the road to the final four. I like all of that drama. I like all of that stuff that, that, that is there because I can get my hands around 64. I can't get my hand around 6,433,000, you know, college basketball teams and all of those things. And so I like the tournament, but, th- but there's more involved, obviously, than this. And I was thinking uh, uh, over the last week, I was thinking about the tournament itself and the selection process hasn't happened yet. In a, in a couple of weeks, they'll be starting to, you know, select the teams uh, that will be in the tournament, all of those kinds of things. And so uh, it's kind of an exciting time, and it's, it's rare company to be one of those teams that are selected to, to represent one of those 64 teams that will eventually get to the final four, and eventually one of those teams will be crowned the champion. And, and one of the things that I think is kind of interesting is in the selection process, no matter what happens, there are certain teams that even going into the season, before the season even began, they were already being pegged as a potential champion or, or for sure, you know, 
know, the top four teams or the, the, the sweet 16 and all of that. And, and every year in the selection process, though, there are some teams that are, that, that are left out. There are some teams that others think, man, they should be in the tournament. There are some teams that others would view as like, these guys aren't as good as some of the teams that were left out. They're, they're not worthy. And so it's, it's very rare company to be selected to be a part of this team. And then it starts the process and the journey of this tournament from 64 teams down to, to finally the four, the two, and then the one that's crowned champion. And, and there's some spiritual applications that, that we're trying to make as it, as it relates to this tournament and, and the work and the effort that goes into it to become one of those teams that are the finalists and eventually the champion. And Pastor John, a couple of weeks ago, he talked about Jesus and how that, that when, we, when we accept Christ as our Savior, there, there's a difference between making Jesus the Savior of our life and the Lord of our life. And, and, and there's a transition that should happen. But we all begin in the same place, that that road to the final four, that road to a championship, if you will, that there's a, there's a race that we're all supposed to run and that, that we are to act as though we want to win the race. And that race begins when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, where you accept him as the, the Lord of your life. And, and, and there's an important aspect in that, but, but that starts something. And then Pastor Tommy last week, he was talking about, about how that we're supposed to finish. Pastor John mentioned, you know, we begin with the end in mind, that, that there's a finish line in this Christian life that we're all supposed to be running in, that we are all supposed to be taking ground and possessing vision and, and possessing what God wants us to accomplish uh, with the gifts that he's given to us. And because of that, because, because there's ground to cover, we should begin to finish what he began in us, that he started this work on the inside of us. And in, in Philippians chapter 1, and verse 6, and I want to read this scripture Philippians 1.6 says, I'm sure about this. Everybody, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm pretty sure. Look at the person on the other side and say, no, I'm real sure. You may not realize it this morning, but I want to remind you of something or perhaps tell you something for the first time, if you've not heard this before. If you've made Jesus, if you've accepted Christ as Savior, and what we mean by that here is Jesus said in the third chapter of the book of John, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. There's a decision that you make. There's a decision of faith that in a sense says, I'm stepping across the line and I'm saying, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I know that I'm not worthy. I know that I'm, I'm a sinner. I know that I've done things wrong. And, and I know that in and of myself, I can't, I, I can't be good enough. I need your help. And so faith says, I accept Jesus. I accept what you've done for me as good enough which is always the biggest, I think many times, the biggest question that people have, how good is good enough? How good do I have to be <clears throat> to get into God's good graces? Well, the answer is <laughs> 100%. You have to be 100% good. You cannot do anything wrong to get to heaven. If you understand the Bible... All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. If there's sin in your life, you can't get to heaven. How many of you know that's not good news? In fact, that's bad news. Is that not? It's like if the standard is 100% perfection, how am I ever going to make it? The point is you can't. That's why you need a Savior. I said that's why you need a Savior. Because you can't be good enough, but Jesus was good enough, and so Jesus paid the price that you couldn't pay. And so now you're saying by faith, okay, I'm not good enough, but Jesus, you paid a price for me, so I believe you. I trust that what you did for me on Calvary's cross is enough. 
Now, if you did that, if you've done that in whatever form, way, shape that you have confessed Jesus as your Savior and Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away, all things become brand new. And you may not know this this morning. Pastor Tommy said it last week. I want to remind you of it. You may not understand this. You may not have realized it. But right now, at this very moment at 11, 12 minutes after 11 on March 3rd, there's something in you right now. It's working. It's working. It's wanting to churn. It's wanting to, it's, it's, it's wanting to produce. There's, there's a power in you. And that's what Paul says here in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. I'm sure about this. And, and as your pastor, I'm sure about this. The one who started a good work in you, when you said, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. The one who started a good work in you will stay with you. My thought when I was a kid growing up, I thought Jesus, every time I sinned, I thought Jesus left me. I thought there was a revolving door in my heart. Jesus comes in. Jesus goes out. I ask Jesus into my heart. I sin. He goes back out. I got to ask him. No, he said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not leaving. He said, he will stay with you to complete the job by the day of Christ Jesus. There's a day that Jesus is going to come back. He will return. He is going to come again. But there is something in between that beginning that Pastor John talked about, when we accept him as our Savior, and we make him the Lord of our life, and Pastor Tommy last week was talking about letting that work be finished, finishing the, the, the process, being complete in what Christ has, has begun in you. But if you don't know there's something at work in you, if you don't know there's a power that's yearning and churning on the inside of you that wants to complete something in you, if you're unaware of that, it's going to be very difficult for you to complete the course that he's laid out for you. And so God wants to keep working in your life until that day. And I, I don't know, I, I thought about going down this road. I thought about what does it look like if, if, we've start, if God started something and there's a completed something, what does that look like? What does a mature Christian, and, and, and it's almost this way, a Christian looks like, and then you can fill in the blank. A Christian is, fill in the blank. A Christian does, and then fill in the blank. And I began to realize as I was kind of working through that, and I could certainly come up with a list, but my problem was I would probably come up with a checklist. And I would present a checklist to you, and then some of you would take that checklist, and you'd begin to check the boxes. Okay, I prayed. Okay, I read the Bible. Okay, I came to church. Okay. And we'd make the checklist, and we'd get to the end of the checklist, and then what? And then if you were going to fill in the blank, you would probably fill in the blank according to your gifting, according to how you're wired. Some of you love to pray. You're prayer warriors. And you would probably put at or near the top of the list, a Christian is somebody who prays, and they pray for others, and they pray for a revival. And, they, and, and if you're kind of an evangelistic type person, you're a person that wants to see people, people one to the Lord, you'd be like a Christian is someone who shares their faith, faith with other people. If you're a worshiper like I am, it's like a Christian is somebody, man, they're worshiping God, and they're free to lift their hands and to sing out with joy. They're free to dance in the Lord. They're free in that because that's how I'm wired and that's how I like to live my Christianity. And we would answer those questions based on our wiring, which is why I think it's kind of important in Growth Track that you understand how you're wired. You understand what motivates you because that helps you appreciate what God's doing in your life, but also helps you understand that the same God's at work in other people's lives based on their wiring. And just because you like to pray doesn't mean everybody likes to pray. 
Hello. Some of you are like study bugs, man. You just, the word, the word, the word. Yes, amen. We need the word. We need to pray. We need to come to church. We need to worship. We need to do all those things. But I think that a checklist might fail us. A checklist might stop us from really accomplishing the mission, in a sense, or the goal that, that at least that I have for you. And so because of that, and I was thinking, Pastor Tommy, last week, he, there's something that he shared. And God's... Whatever it is, wherever in your life God stepped into your life or you invited him into your life, many people invite God into their life at a, at a critical moment, at a difficult time, and, and, and God relieves something. He, he begins to bring peace into your life. He brings, to, brings order to chaos and, and, and peace in the midst of all of that storm that's happening in our life. God does amazing things. And Pastor Tommy was talking about this, and I, I really like this thought. I want to just remind you if, you, if you were here, I'll remind you. If you weren't here uh, uh, to, to share this with you, in Matthew 15 and verse 31, Jesus, Matthew is recounting something. This is from the message version, and it says, When the people saw the mutes speaking, the maimed healthy, the paraplegics walking around, the blind looking around, they were astonished. Can you imagine what that scene would be like? Man, that guy used to be a cripple. He's healed now. That person over there, I used to be able to play tricks on him because they couldn't see me coming. But now they can. Used to sneak up on him. Now I can't sneak up on him anymore. And it says they were astonished and they let everyone know that God was, and I like the way this is phrased, that God was blazingly alive among them. God was blazingly alive among them. There was great joy. <clears throat> Pastor Tommy said it like this. I would imagine that this was probably one of the greatest days, if not the greatest day in the life of the people that were there. Can you imagine that? Can you, can you at least see that this would be pretty powerful? If we're seeing people that were lame and, and, and maimed and paraplegic, all these different things, blind and, 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 and they couldn't speak, and now they can, would that not be awesome? Woo! But the next couple of words. The next couple of words, Jesus wasn't finished with them. And what they could consider the greatest moment of their life, there's a reminder that God's not done yet. And for some of you, you were spiritually maimed, you were spiritually crippled, you were spiritually blind. There were things happening in your life, and you invited Jesus to come into your life. He stepped in, and he brought all of that wonderful blessing, peace, joy, whatever. Not that everything is easier necessarily, but there's a sense of something on the inside that is now right that used to be wrong. And you would say, that's great. But there's still more. I said, there's still more. There's still something. And that's, there, there's a power in you that's working to complete that, to bring you to that place, to bring you from one step of, of glory to the next step of glory. God wants to complete something on the inside of you. And, and the reason I'm so passionate about this this morning is because I feel like many in the body of Christ think they're done. We've settled. We're like, well, you know, I'm not so bad. I'm okay. Yeah, you're okay, but why do you want to be okay? Why don't you want to step farther? You see, God began something. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, God began something in you, but he wants to finish it. And so let him finish what he started. Actually, if, you, if you're looking at the online notes, you'll see, I forget exactly how I put it on here, but, but I said it like this. <laughs> Starting what he finished... 
what God invites you to is he invites you to start at something that he's already finished. Because the Bible says that he saw you in Christ. He saw you and had a plan for you, had acts, acts, had deeds for you to do before you were ever born. He's got something over here at the end, and he backs up to where you are right now. And so the idea is... Starting something that God has already finished. It is stepping into something that he has already begun. And there's like a GPS on the inside of you that is yearning and working to bring you to that completed state, that completed place, so that at the day of Christ, you will arrive at where he wants you to be. Now, that all sounds good, and I want to, I want to, I want to, Take a, a second to share something with you I don't want you to miss. And we use this vernacular and this terminology, and I, there's nothing wrong with it in one sense, but I think that sometimes it can give the wrong idea of, of really what has happened and is happening. We will use a phrase like this uh, at, at times in our church. I'll use this a lot, uh, uh, you know, the opportunity to choose Jesus. To, we accept Jesus as our Savior. You've all, how many of you heard that? You know, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Many of you, okay, only three of you have. Well, that's not, not good. Let me ask that one more time. How many of you have heard the phrase, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? All right, so most of you have, and, and, and it's, it's a vernacular that basically brings us to that point of decision. I am choosing to accept Christ. What he did for me, I'm choosing to accept that. And in exchange for me accepting that, I get to give up who I used to be to become who God wants me to become. All right, and, and, and the weakness in that is that I feel like sometimes, particularly in the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter age that we live in, it's like, in fact, there's a TV show, you know, God friended me or whatever it is. It, it, it's sort of like when we accept Jesus, we've accepted him as a friend request. Jesus sent me a friend request. I've now accepted him. And I'm going to like his posts from time to time. When he says things about love and forgiveness, I like that, and I like this, and I like that. And every once in a while, Jesus got to poke you. <laughs> There's a weakness by this idea that I chose Jesus. Because when you fully understand, I shouldn't say fully understand, but when you understand the depths that God went to, you did not choose Jesus, God chose you. God chose you. The Bible says that Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us so that we who knew no righteousness could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When we were still unlovely, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God paid the price, and God chose you, and he chose me, and he chose humanity. He chose us. Jesus, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he began to pray, and when Jesus was on the cross and, and he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the cry. That was the cry of somebody whose back God had turned on them. Jesus, actually the Bible tells us that God could not look on sin and he turned his back on the son and the son cried out, God, why did you forsake me? But God turned his back on his son as Jesus paid the price so that God wouldn't have to turn his back on you and he wouldn't have to turn his back on me so that we could step into this marvelous grace and mercy. Jesus paid a price and God chose you when you were not worth choosing. Amen. 
chose us. That's why the Apostle Paul says, walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. And there's something about the blood of Jesus that is the great equalizer. There's no big I's, no little U's. There's no, we all have the same value. And it was the blood of Christ that purchased us out of our sin, out of, out of all of the junk and the garbage. And, 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 and in this selection process, on the road to the final four, in the selection process, there will always be people looking at a basketball tournament who will say, those teams don't qualify. Those teams don't deserve to be in the same class as everybody else. And you know what? My heart breaks when I... Understand that there are Christians, there are people that, and, and people who walk through the doors of our church who have learned, who have heard, who have lived with the attitude towards them that they're not good enough. You don't, you don't qualify. Because it happens every Sunday. Not in this church, thank God. Because you're smarter. But it happens to a lot of Christians, who, a lot of people who've been marginalized, who, 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 who because they don't measure up, others look down their spiritual nose, and they're like, you know what? You don't qualify. You're not good enough. People walking around like their own poop don't stink. Well, they smell like booze. They smell like they're hungover. They smell like weed. You smell like spiritual pride. Let's not be like that. Because the same blood that was applied to your life is the same blood that was applied to everybody else's life. And whether you realize it or not, you ain't on the selection committee when it comes to God. Jesus is on the selection committee. Actually, God is the selection committee. And when he looks at you and he looks at me, he sees the son and he sees the blood. And he says, that's enough. That qualifies you. Let me begin something in you that's already finished. Woo! I'd like to close right there, but I'm not going to because I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, where am I? Oh, I should say this. The Heavenly Father let His Son die just in case you might decide to accept His invitation. God had more faith in you. He had more faith in me. He had more faith in humanity. I think God believed that if they just understand how much I love them, how much I care, what I've done, that they'll choose Jesus. They'll choose my way. And so one of the phrases that have been said a couple of times is that Jesus makes your life better. How many of you believe that? He makes your life better. But not only does he make your life better, he makes you better at life as well. You see, take all, everything that I said, and I, I said this a couple of weeks ago before we uh, left, and, and I want to reiterate something because there's a, there's a heart that I, I, I feel like we have, but I need to remind you of it from time to time. There's three attitudes that are important to me that we reflect here at Joy Christian Center. If the blood of Christ is the equalizer, if we all have the same value and the same worth to God, which we do, then there's a heart attitude that we should have as followers of Christ, and particularly, I don't care what other churches do in that sense, there's great churches around here, but, but our heart attitude... What we value as a church, number one, and, and, and if you want to say this with me, I've been reminded of this. We're glad you're here. Amen. Look at the person and say, I'm glad you're here. Now, why does that even need to be said? Because there are a lot of people who walk into churches that don't feel like they're glad you're there. Because they're looking at you funny. 
And you might walk into a place, or somebody might walk in here, they don't know the songs, they don't know the Sunday morning protocol, they don't know all of the things, we're glad you're here. I don't care when you got here, we're glad you're here. I don't care what condition you arrived in, we're glad you're here. We're all a part of the same hospital. Just some of us got to this hospital before you did. So we're glad you're here because we believe something. We exist as a church to help you know God. We want you to know that God is good, that he's powerful, and that he's willing to leverage his power and his authority and his grace and his mercy on your behalf and on my behalf. And we believe that if you're just in the environment where God is surrounded by people who love and know God, that something is going to begin to happen in your life. Something's going to begin to happen in your life. Change is going to happen. So we're glad you're here because if you weren't here, you wouldn't be hearing the word of God or experiencing the presence of God. And we believe that more can happen in five minutes in the presence of God than can happen with 50 hours of Pastor Brian screaming and yelling at you. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Biggest amen of the morning right there. Pastor Brian, can you go back on vacation, please? We're glad you're here. And because we believe those things, we play the long game here. We are going to be patient with people. I am painfully patient with people. I believe that there will be people, that are, there are people who walk into the doors of this church and many churches around this city and around this country and around this world, and their hearts are hard. They're hard because life has been hard. <clears throat> their hearts are hard because they've come, against, come up against Christians who don't represent God well who instead of being gracious and merciful are full of judgment and condemnation. And they walk in with their borders or their guards up wondering, are you going to judge me? Are you going to throw me out? How am I going to be received by you? They come with hardened heart. Their hearts need to be tilled up. They they need to experience the presence of God and and allow the Holy Spirit to saturate their life so that when the seed gets planted into their heart, eventually it will begin to grow. And as it grows, eventually... Eventually, there will be fruit, which is why we say, we're glad you're here. We are, and we're going to play the long game. We're going to be patient, and we're going to be loving, and we're going to be kind, because that's what the Heavenly Father's been with us and is with us. He is patient, and he's loving, and he's kind, but we also believe that eventually showing up will result in growing up. Eventually, eventually, <laughs> Eventually, as you show up, the word will be planted and it will grow up and it will begin to produce fruit in your life. So Jesus makes your life better, but he wants to make you makes you he wants to make you better at life. There are things, God's not trying to be mean, he's not trying to be hard, he's not trying to, he's not like, I don't want you to have fun, I don't want you to have a good time. Don't, 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 don't. It's like a parents who came from the planet, no, 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 son, no, daughter, no. God's not that way. God said, I know about life, and I know what it takes to live life, and if you'll just do things my way, life will turn out better for you. And so, (laughs) Jesus makes your life better if, everybody say if. Jesus will make your life better, and he will make you better at life if you're wise. If you're wise. How many of you are wise this morning? Anyone? How many of you want to hear what I have to say about that before you answer the question? (laughs) You're wise. (laughs) I want to cover some ground that we've covered in the past. Let me, 
And, and again, I just want to introduce a thought to get to another thought this morning that I really have for you today. And, and, and it's really this. I believe this. You will be better at life if you do life God's way. You will be better at life if you do life God's way. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. All who listen to my instructions as you are today, all who listen to my instructions and follow them are wise. How many of you want to be wise? Here's how you're wise. Hear what Jesus said. Hear what Jesus says, hear what Jesus is talking about, and then do it. If you hear what he says and you put it into practice in your life, if you hear what he says and you do it, you're wise. That's wisdom. It's kind of easy to be wise. We think that wise has to have a degree. We think that being wise has to have a lot of education and schooling. Not against those things, not saying those things are wrong or bad. I'm just saying that if you want to be wise, at least the way God calculates wise, then you need to hear what he says and you need to do it. And if you are like that, Jesus says you're like a man who builds his house on a solid rock. If you hear what I'm telling you and you begin to put it into practice in your life, you're, like a, you're building your house on a solid rock foundation. And what Jesus was alluding to and talking about, actually, that he, it's in his closing statements of a sermon that he was preaching. You have to go back to Matthew chapter 5 to get to that point of understanding what he was talking about. It's where we get the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, you're blessed, you're blessed when you do this, you're blessed, 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 blessed. And, and, and really, he's beginning to flip the script on what was the normal custom and the way of religion in that day. Jesus then, as he talks about the, the whole idea of, uh, of, you know, the Beatitudes, you're blessed when you do this, blessed are the poor and blessed are the weak and the meek and black, all those other things. And then he says, you've heard it said, but now I say to you, you've heard it said. And he went through a, a whole list of things. He said, you've heard it said, you shall not, don't, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, don't do those things. But he said, I want you to understand something deeper. I'm, ra- I'm kind of raising the bar here. Because those outward things really start as inward things. And really, I think what he was saying is watch out what you allow in your heart. Watch out what you allow to fester on the inside because eventually it will show up on the outside. And he says you need to watch out for that. You need to be careful about that. He he challenges them about forgiveness. He says you've heard love your neighbor, but I want you to love your enemies. I want you to be kind to those people that speak evil about you. They were raised under the idea that it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You hit me, I'll hit you. You spit on me, I'm going to spit on you. And now Jesus is saying, I want you to turn the cheek. Jesus is saying, when somebody compels you to go a mile, I want you to, I don't just don't do what's expected. I want you to do what's unexpected. I want you to treat people the way you want to be treated. And Jesus goes on and he's pressing the issue and he's saying, not only that, I don't want you to judge. I want you to be generous with everything that you've got. I want you to give. I want you to give abundantly. Don't you know, there are people like, ooh, man, this Jesus guy, I don't know. He gets to the end, and then he says, in light of all of the things that I've just told you about, you're wise. If now that you've heard, you begin to do these things. I think Jesus was like, I'm glad you're showing up. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. That's awesome and that's wonderful, but there's more involved. It isn't just hearing. It isn't just showing up. It isn't just listening. If you truly want to be wise and build something that is going to last, then you're going to have to begin to do 
the things that I've told you. He goes on. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floods rise and the storm winds beat against his house, it won't collapse for it is built on a rock. What's the rock? It's hearing and doing. It's hearing what Jesus says and then doing them. Those who hear my instructions and ignore them are foolish. They're like a man who builds his house on the sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the storm winds beat against his house, it will fall with a mighty crash. It is, Jesus steps into our life, makes our life better. Gives us hope where there was no hope. Gives us peace where there was no peace. But he wants to make you better at life. And, and I don't know how to tell you this without just telling you, you know, I'm glad you're here. Thank God you're here. Thank God you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm going to love you and I'm going to be patient with you. But there will never be a time or rare will be the time that you will not hear me trying to compel you, to lead you, to push you, to take a step. To get beyond where you are right now so you can get somewhere else. I don't want a church full. I don't want my life be a life that sits on his blessed assurance waiting until Jesus comes. I want to be about my father's business. I mentioned, I mentioned, you know, the miracle working Jesus. I love the picture of Jesus as the superhero. I love the Jesus that never got to go swimming because he only walked on the water. I love the Jesus that was a devil kicking Jesus. The Jesus that was miraculous and powerful. I love that Jesus. But in his last moments, we get a picture of Jesus that we don't often see. And it's that picture of Jesus, it's that Jesus that I can kind of get my hands and my head around, that I can identify with. Because as much as I want to believe that that same power that's in me, that was in Jesus and that raised him from the dead, the same miraculous power is available to all of us, thank God. It's hard to identify with a Jesus when we think that he's always perfect. He was always perfect. Hard to identify with a Jesus that we seem to think never struggled with anything at all in life. And can I tell you as a follower of Christ, glad you're here. We're going to be patient, play the long game. But eventually, fruit should show up in your life. The foundation of your life, the foundation <laughs> that causes your house to stand in the events of life, It's simply this. There's going to be moments in your life, in your followership of Christ. In fact, if you've not experienced this, then I want to challenge you because you're not running yet. You're showing up. Yay. But there's more. God's not finished yet. The foundation of your life is when you struggle with the most difficult, essential element of Christianity, and that is when you want something and God says no. I've said it this way many, many times. There will come a time in your followership of Christ that what, when what you want for you will be different than what God wants for you. And it's in that decision, it's in that moment that you don't want to do what God wants. That's why Jesus said, you're going to have to forgive even though you don't want to. You're going to have to love your enemies. Like, no, it's too hard. Jesus said, you're wise if you will forgive in that moment. You'll be wise. You're wise. 
the thing that brings solidity and power into your life, the foundation is when you've answered that question, when you have when you've wrestled with the idea that, God, I want my way, but I see your way is different. And that's what was happening. Jesus it was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in, in, in Matthew chapter 26, it says, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And, and Gethsemane, really, it means the oil press. There was pressure in that moment. You see, whenever God wants to do something of significance in your life or in my life, he, 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 he brings us into the oil press. There's going to be some, pr- actually, he doesn't bring us in. He invites us. He invites us to the oil press to bring something out of us. And in those moments where it's like, God, I see what you want. I know you want me to forgive. I know you want me to give. I know that you want to do this in my life. But God, I don't know what it's going to cost me. And I'm afraid what will happen. I'm afraid of what other people are going to think. Or I'm afraid of what other people are going to say. Or Lord, it's just like, I'm tired. I'm busy. We're all tired. We're all busy. Jesus said the things that you say and believe in your heart, they're going to come to pass. You want to get tireder and busier? Keep saying it. Pastor Brian, we just love you. We're glad you're here. (laughs) Jesus said, or Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here and sit here while I go and pray over there. I want you to stay here. I'm going over there. I think that that was more than just a phrase. I think there's a principle. I think there's something God wants us to see in that because I believe that there are men and women who are in this room this morning that God is saying, you're here, but I want you over there. And that distance from here to there is the distance between religion and relationship, between bondage and freedom, between sickness and disease and healing, between sitting on a blessed assurance and God accomplishing his purpose in your life. And I wonder, when Jesus was saying this to the 11 disciples who were with him, he said, I want you to stay here. I'm going over there. And we see, I think we see a Jesus that we don't usually see, very rarely. And I wonder if the disciples ever saw this side of Jesus because the distance from here to there, it's going to cost you something. And what Jesus was struggling with, he was struggling with the will of God. God, I know what you want for me, but I don't really want to do it. What God wanted for Jesus was different than what Jesus wanted for Jesus. Because Jesus did not want to die. Jesus did not want to be separated from the Father. He did not want those things. And that's the essence. (laughs) Said to the disciples, I want you to stay here. And he he took with him, it looks verse 37, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And I wonder if James and Peter and John, they've seen Jesus, the superhero Jesus, and they're, I think, I'm wondering if maybe they've never seen Jesus like this. Jesus left eight behind and took his three most trusted followers with him. And sometimes for you, the distance from here to there is going to cost you. 
Not that you're better than other people, not that other people don't matter, not that other people don't count, but you're not giving them a seat at your table. You're not letting them influence your life because you need to be surrounded by people who are going to encourage you, who are going to build you up, who are going to love you, who are going to encourage you to take the step you don't think you can take. But God wants to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Jesus was saying, guys, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know. And, and, and we're not used to We get such a Sunday school picture of Jesus as always with the answer, always with the power. And here he is, man, I don't know if I can do this. My soul just bursting. It, it's so heavy. I think I'm going to die under the weight of it. That's a Jesus I can serve. That's a Jesus I can understand. It's a Jesus who went the distance for me. And if he's willing to do that, I should be willing to do that for him. So I can go from where I am to where he wants me to be. And that distance is a decision. God, I know that you want something from me, but I don't think I'm big enough. I don't think I can. And it's in that moment of prayer where we're pouring out our heart to God. We're saying, God, I, 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 I just can't. I, I don't know. And it's in that moment that God wants to, by his grace, squeeze something out of you. The oil press. It's the Holy Spirit, man. He wants to do in your life what you can't do. And he wants to challenge your comfort zone. He wants to challenge where you are. He doesn't want you satisfied with what you're having right now because there's more. And if you get to what Jesus was asking, here's Jesus' prayer. He went a little farther, verse 39, and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. God, I don't want, I don't want this assignment. I don't want, I don't want to do what you're asking me to do. God, please don't ask this of me. And thankfully, he surrendered. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Church, glad you're here. I love this place. I was in Mexico for two weeks. Awesome. Couldn't wait to get back here. Couldn't wait to worship. I love it here. And I know God's been gracious and patient with me and with you. But the greatest battles that you're ever going to fight is not my will, your will. Greatest struggles of life. But when you battle that and when you fight that and when you get through that, it's going to build a foundation in your life. It's going to build something powerful. It's going to test the metal of your character and bring you to a point that you will not fall, that you will not stumble. And instead of talking about faith, you've got a living faith. Instead of having to put a bumper sticker or like something on Facebook, people are going to look at your life and say, man, that's a follower of Christ. Because you're actually living it. been invited to a race. You can sit by the sidelines or you can get in and you can run it. I like the phrase, I'm in it to win it. We're all invited. Let's run. I said, let's run. Let's run and not be weary. Let's mount up with wings like as of eagles. Let's be bold. Let's take this nation. Let's take this city. Let's take this church someplace that has never gone before. 
heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, in fact, all of us with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you're here today and you're maybe willing to say, you know what, I, I've settled. I've let fear hold me back or I've, I didn't realize that, 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 that there's more or I've become satisfied. But God, I, I, I want to run. I don't want to be held back by fear. I don't want to be held back by the feeling of inadequacy. God, I'm stepping into the race. I'm stepping up. If that's you, I'm not looking, but with everybody with your heads bowed, eyes closed, would you just hold a hand up before God and say, God, that's me. Man, I've settled, but I'm moving on. I'm here, but I want to go there. I'm here, but I want to go there because I know you're not finished with me yet. Father, I thank you that the hearts of men and women this morning, that is, as we accept this challenge to move forward with you, that you bring change into our life. In fact, we ask you to bring us to the hard places, the tough places. We're willing to go. We're willing to run. Thank you for that. Father, I thank you for this congregation of men and women. I pray that by the Spirit of God, you would seal this into their hearts. And that, Father, we, you would help us to know that on the inside of us beats the heart of a champion. We're more than conquerors, and we can, all do, we can do all things because you give us strength. And we thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said...